Ramble. Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck, and this is my podcast. And your name is Listener, and that's what you do. You listen, and isn't that excellent? Because here we are in a beautiful dance that both of us just, like, agreed to be in without much courting. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I put my hand out, and you said, I will put my hand in that hand, and I will follow you to the dance floor, friend. And let's let's get down audio style. Um, what's going on with me? My voice is weird. I don't know if you can hear it. I'm uh, hopped up on steroids and not that good, good, not that hot Lance Armstrong. I'm on that prednisone, which is just sort of the nerd's version of steroids because I lost my voice and I've been traveling to New York and I'm in Indiana right now. I've been doing speaking gigs at colleges at Seton Hall and Indiana University. Go Hoosiers. Um, and your boy needed his voice, recorded some podcasts in New York, not feeling good, children, a lot of germs, not a lot of sleep, can't fight said germs, and well, this is, this is where we land in Sickville. I'm starting to become that grown-up that has like a big aversion to sickness. I hate that guy. When you're like, when you see someone like, you know what, I'm not going to shake. I, I'm not going to shake. I'm not, I'm, I'm not feeling great. It's like, just shake my fucking hand. Well, what's the world going to come to an end? People who are like really averse to germs and freaked out that they might get sick. I'm like, fucking stop it. Enough of this. Is a flu going to take you down? You can't take a sore throat and some sniffles, guy. I mean, really? Have we become that fragile? You you can't take perhaps a, a mild headache and some some sleepless nights? fucking grow up like a hundred years ago we were tending the fields maybe more than that but i I don't know history i i don't know i i've never been that guy but now with the kid and i don't know i don't want to be sick it sucks i don't know why i i guess i've always weirdly welcomed sickness because knock on wood i'm one of those superstitious jews i don't want to you know shake the karmic tree too much by saying too many good things about my life. But I I, I don't get sick that much. It's every couple of years. And, and I also like, I, I just have one of those personalities. It's just so go, go, go that when there's actually like a enforced physical shutdown where my body goes no more, we're shutting it down for 24 to 48 hours. I kind of welcome it. I like it because Otherwise, I'm not going to lay in bed and watch Netflix ever, never, not me. I'm not the one. I'm not that guy. I envy people that can do that. Maybe envy is not the right word. I appreciate maybe that's not the right word. I am uh, surprised by people who can, you know, just like crush 10 episodes of a show, multi-seasons in one sitting. I don't get it. I get restless. I feel the need to provide and to be doing something that's going to put money in the bank. And it's not for like that I'm so, excuse me, sorry, hold please. (coughs) I told you I'm sick. Was I lying? I mean, you think that cough was out of nowhere? I am fully 
under the weather. What was I saying? Will I live? I do have some hypochondriac tendencies. I mean, I do get a small cough and think I've probably come into contact with bird flu, anthrax, or some mutant influenza sent here by Russia, by Russian operatives, to bring down C-level celebrities and former child stars. My head goes there. Is that so wrong? No, I just, you know, I like being sick because it slows me down because otherwise I'm in constantly this this energy of having to produce, having to do things that is going to buy me more security. And if that means a little more money in my bank account or some kind of accomplishment, whatever. And, you know, thank God over the years now, because I don't have a drug habit and, and, you know, I, I also have a, a savvy money manager, AKA my brother, I've been able to put some money away. You know, thank God, because people like you listen to this podcast and we figured out how to monetize it, which is wild. You listen to this and advertisers want to spend money to, to interject their opinion on this show. But God bless, you know, Squarespace and Movement Watches and a, uh, just an array of other sponsors who keep this thing going. But it's moderation in all things. You, you got to find value outside of that. You know, I have to, I mean, you know, I think that, well, dad working hard is going to give my kid a good life. But I also have to realize that like me being very present in his life is also what's going to give him a good life. And maybe he doesn't need shoes with lights. Maybe he just needs shoes. And maybe he needs his dad around in just shoes and not shoes with lights. And it'll be okay. Because maybe shoes with lights and no dad isn't a fair trade. Unless they're like super dope. And like they have a wheel in it too. Like they're like Heelys. Maybe at that point you trade your dad for those. I know I trade mine, but that's not saying much. We didn't really know each other. But I've been traveling for the last four days doing these speaking gigs and yeah, I, uh, I miss my kid and this is the first time I've been away and I feel guilty even though like, I know, like, listen, you know, I've had a couple nice lunches and I fit in a workout here or there, but I've been working every day. You know, I'm not bullshitting around. This isn't a Vegas trip with the boys. I'm not that guy, but you know, my wife's like on some single mom shit right now and she's holding down the house and that's not easy with a two month old. I want to, you know, I want to help, I think. Right. Sure. No, I do. I do. I'm a big fan, big fan of the whole parenting thing. Um, what else do these speaking gigs, these like quasi stand up moderated talks, Today it was in front of like 2,500 plus kids in Indiana. The other day it was like 900 at Seton Hall in Jersey. Maybe the tickets are free usually or very low price. I'm talking under $20. So maybe that's why so many people show up. But I'm always surprised. And it doesn't make me feel bad that they're there. And we have a good time. And I bullshit for an hour and talk about my career and life and try to instill something in them. 
I just think it's funny that they have me come talk to these like really smart kids who are getting these like, you know, I'm sure six figure educations and I barely graduated high school, but you know, that's just the universe. Oh, and then I had a really cool experience in New York. I wanted to go see Brian Cranston starring in Network, which is on Broadway, which was a, a movie written by Patty Chayefsky, and, and they've adapted it into a play, or maybe it already was a play. I'm not quite sure. But let me tell you, sitting in New York, watching a play surrounded by New Yorkers, such a great cast, and you know, Brian Cranston's like so good it's not fair. And sitting there and watching him fall to pieces on stage and memorizing like pages of dialogue. This isn't like a four or five line memorization on Law and Order SVU. This isn't, where did you find the head? Was it the ballerina? You know, like those kind of lines that you see on a lot of procedurals. Someone please call forensics. Those kind of lines. No, this was like blocks of dialogue. And I'm like there, and I, you know, listen, I had pretty good seats. Shout out my friend Matt Polk for hooking me up with house seats. And I'm like watching Cranston fall apart on stage in his like hundredth plus performance, and he has three months to go. And it was inspiring. It just made me want to be a better actor and a better artist and just. It just was like the truth. Man. And you worry, you know, I think about like, would I ever get the chance to do something like that? But uh, if given the chance and the right thing, what he did up there was special. And then I got to go backstage and meet him and he knew who I was. Well, not really, but he knew my name and I appreciated that. And he was a mensch, as my Jewish people say. So anyway, please forgive this because I feel like I'm starting to sound weirdly braggy. Um, so forgive me, but uh, it was a cool experience and I just wanted to share with you guys. And I feel lucky that I got to do it. And, um, Brian Cranston surprisingly svelte for a man, you know, coming up on 60. So good for you, Brian Cranston. Your workout regimen is working. Anyway, guys on today's show, uh, Aubrey Marcus, he is such a multifaceted guy. He created a company called Onnit, which is a supplement, food, performance, human optimization company. Uh, I'm a big fan of a bunch of their products, and I'd heard about Aubrey for years through Joe Rogan's podcast, and I started learning more about him, and uh, we've sort of become buddies, but he's a really interesting guy loves hallucinogens and their medicinal properties. So we get into that and uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy it. Here's Aubrey. Oh my gosh. I'm so impressed. I'm telling you, you're living up to the hype. Will you give the listeners a breakdown of what's in front of you? Yeah. Yeah, give it to us. What's in there? That potion. <laughs> so what I got cooking here is uh, <clears throat> some coconut butter, some uh, MCT, powdered MCT, and then I got some chaga. I got some heirloom cacao. I have a little bit of cordyceps all blended up and stirred into this fatty kind of tea concoction that I made. And then I got a lemon ginger greens juice. 
um, well, it's got all the grains and minerals and nutrients in it as well. So I'm going to be primed. I'm going to be optimized for this podcast, my friend. Aubrey. I'm going to be ready. You are the goal. <laughs> You're the friggin'. You are all man, sir. I don't know about all that. Oh my I don't God. Know about, maybe I'm just, maybe I just need it more than other people. Maybe I'm just so deficient that I must do all these things to even function. And everybody else is so far ahead of me that they can just eat cheeseburgers and feel great. Fuck that. I mean, yes, they are ahead of us, <laughs> but it's just because they don't have that voice, right? Like they can enjoy the shit out of that cheeseburger and they don't have that wave of regret uh, yeah, that comes bustling true. in right after. <laughs> I actually don't have regrets about cheeseburgers, but I do definitely have mind fucked myself over some sugary stuff like right. if i have like a chocolate chip cookie i used to be able to eat chocolate chip cookies and just feel wonderful just feel love entering my belly Ugh. and and coming and diffusing through my body and now i just feel blood sugar spikes and falls and poison and fatigue and i don't know so i definitely do mind fuck myself but i'll still enjoy a good cheeseburger you can't do cookies at all that's off the list. No more for Aubrey. Uh, fat snacks. Yeah, there's a company called Fat Snacks, and they make these delicious cookies. And they okay. send me like boxes of them, and it and uh, it kind of scratches the itch. But otherwise, yep, no cookies for me. I'm really? out. I'm out of the game. Birthday cake. No, oh, no, I never liked that. Anyways, but I will say carrot cake. I can't resist. I can't stop. I just take it. I just take the pain. Yeah, whatever comes. But I feel like <clears throat> as long as it's got like a good amount of fat in it. You know, like a really good cream cheese frosting. Like you can almost make something keto by just putting more and more fat into it. That's not true. That's not science. <laughs> yes. It's officially debunked here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what do you find for you that like any sort of like, have you ever tried to go completely off of every supplement, you know, even as great or as helpful as it's been for you and just said, what if I was just at my resting natural state to see what that's like for a couple weeks mm -hmm. i have yeah um it feels really good i've done what's called a spiritual dieta mm. which is like a diet that's based around spiritual principles you know keeping the body like free of everything that's not the most simple basic clean and then whatever plant that you're working with um that was probably the last time that i was off absolutely everything and then there's ayahuasca dietas too where you get off everything for well, so I've done a lot of those. Um, and generally, you know, you feel good. I mean, it depends. I drink, you know, a fair bit of caffeine. So that takes, you know, a day or two to kind of level out where you don't feel like, oh, man, I really want my coffee. You know, and I have, um, you know, I do nicotine several times a week. And so I'll start to miss that. And you I like take, snus, right? I do, yeah. My man. I love it. It's delicious. It's the best. God, is it good. It's so good. Fuck. If there's like one drug that I had to keep and yeah. it's like, all right, I got to get rid of all the others. I would get rid of caffeine. I would get rid of everything else, but I, I wouldn't get rid of this news. Oh man, I'd my keep it. my brother in law is a big old fan of it, and he's like an athlete and stuff. So he's like, I feel like they kind of grow up with it a little Hockey bit. Hockey player? No, uh, football. Football. But you know, he's like a little. You know, he's from Sacramento, and he's mm -hmm. got like those. He just likes to have a good old time, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. American style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the Swedish snooze. Oh, American man. style with the best Swedish tobacco you've ever had. He likes that, and he likes the camel snooze, too, which is probably way more... He's dirty. It's he, bad, he's right? He's getting dirty. Look at you. Look at you uh, yeah, judging. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't mind getting dirty. I get dirty all the time. Yeah. But you got to just know you're just getting... If you're going camel, you're going dirty. 
Why? You're going dirty style. There's some weird cross hybrid. Yeah, bad. you got some fucking Monsanto Roundup right. times a thousand killing everything in sight except for the tobacco plant, like scorched earth, post-apocalyptic fields that this Ugh. is growing in. You're going dirty. Yeah, it's true. Are you a multiple pouch guy? I'm talking more than one. <clears throat> well, if I get my proper Volt, which yeah. is the can that I like to use, um, I only need one. Because wow. that's really, I, and I can leave it in. I used to not be able to leave it in more than like a minute or two, um, but I can leave it in a good amount of time. But I'm not, I don't have to go two volts. But if someone gives me like that lingonberry, you know, that basic ass blue tin, right? You know, like I gotta double it up. What about when you're drinking? Do you find yourself yourself wanting to indulge more? I mean, nothing goes better with a with an alcoholic beverage and a, a hit of nicotine. Yeah, I actually think feel like nothing goes better with the snooze than a psychedelic. Really? Yeah. Because like, does it activate it? Is it? Yeah. I mean, it's part of like any kind of plant medicine ritual, especially you do in Peru. They'll give you mapachos, which are these basically hand-rolled cigars made of nicotinia rustica, which is the sacred tobacco plant down there. It still contains a bunch of nicotine, actually more nicotine than um, normal American tobacco. And so th- they call it a shakaruna, which is a bridge, a bridge to the other states of consciousness. And so you can use it on its own, or you can use it as a bridge to a greater, deeper psychedelic state. Uh, so I feel like that's the best combo. Drinking, um, <clears throat> I kind of, en- I mean, sometimes I will, but I kind of enjoy that, you know, the the kind of loose GABA, yeah. you know, vibe that drinking gets. I don't really need to mix a lot of stuff with alcohol. Like Did- alcohol... And actually, you know, it's been weird. I used to, I went through like a good six year phase where like, I felt like alcohol was broken. Like it didn't, it wasn't doing, yeah, it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. What do you think that was? I think, well, alcohol is a GABA agonist and GABA is a neurotransmitter in the brain that makes you feel those kind of effects that you feel when you drink. It lowers inhibitions. It makes you feel relaxed. It, and I think there was some neurochemistry going on in my brain that was just, not you know i didn't enjoy the surplus of gaba for a while mm. and then um maybe because i don't know i don't know why but then all of a sudden it switched and i've also done a lot of things to like help cleanse my liver and i've been you know living a largely more healthy lifestyle so it might also be like internal organs and it also might be me doing a better job controlling and i'm just spitballing here but like controlling my uh, yeast levels, like internal candida. I had a ba- pretty bad candidiasis in my stomach. From sugar, right? Usually? From sugar, yep. And also, you know, antibiotic use and different things like that. So the yeast is kind of in this turf war with all the probiotic bacteria in your stomach. And when you deplete your probiotic bacteria and you feed, you know, and replenish with sugar, which I had done, you know, back to chocolate chip cookies again. Back God bless. When I was, yeah, back when I was younger. So yeast, one of the byproducts of yeast is acetaldehyde. And acetaldehyde is also the main toxin associated with alcohol. That's one of the reasons why you feel hungover. But yeast produces that on its own. So it's like a little microbrewery in your stomach. So I think there was a couple things contributing. I think for one, the yeast was already making me feel hungover and the alcohol was then exacerbating that hangover. Two, I think I had, you know, my liver wasn't operating at the functionality that it is now. And three, I think there's something, you know, neurochemically going on with the GABA in my brain that it didn't feel as good. All of this is leading me to say, 
I really enjoy drinking again. Really? I'm so glad you're here. I really enjoy drinking again. You hear that, kids? It (laughs) works. I mean, I I try not to as much as I, you know, want, but I'm also like, I'm not getting as hungover. I feel better and I'm enjoying it more. So it's, it's an interesting thing. I don't know if it's good, but it's interesting. I find for a lot of people, what they don't realize is that, I mean, of course, someone like you, you would, because you understand this stuff so well, but like alcohol is a depressant. Mm -hmm. And so at certain times where I've seen people who've used it as an aid in which to not only get out of self, but maybe treat some like underlying depression that maybe they weren't facing. They were like, it just ain't working. I'm like, well, you're treating depression with a depressant. (laughs) Like, so when you wake up the next day, it's no surprise that you're like, oh, like for what, you know, but. It's funny. I gave up my ride 10 years ago. I've been sober 10 years because mm-hmm. I'm just one of those types. Mm-hmm. And yet I'm not only is my hat off to people who can enjoy it, but I'm, I'm slightly fascinated by the people like my wife who can do it so successfully, like enjoy a couple drinks every now and again. And there's no thought about it after or before. It's truly in the moment. And I'm like, that's if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. Yeah, I feel like I've been really blessed that I have that relationship with all drugs. Yeah. Like, there's not a drug that I do that I don't have an equal parts appreciation and aversion towards. You know, like, I don't find myself in an addictive state. Yes. You know, like, it's, I just appreciate it for what it is. And if I don't have it, you know, again, there's some things that do have withdrawals. Like I said, like, caffeine has definitely a little bit of a withdrawal. You know, and I haven't felt that with nicotine. It's pretty easy for me to quit that or yeah. uh, crowd them. And alcohol is certainly, you know, I can go weeks and weeks and not even think about a drink. Um, but uh, but yeah, for the most part, you know, I just don't have those addictive tendencies. And in fact, I have the opposite. You know, I have like hedonic tolerance, as as Jason Silva once put it. Like hedonic tolerance sets in for me so fast. So if I've been enjoying one thing for a while i'm like i'm bored of that thing <laughs> i want to like give that a rest that's so good it is good yeah well, i mean it, it it having sort of a foray into you know be a, a good understanding of addiction over the last 10 years what I, what's been the most revealing to me is to see how truly it really isn't nature or i'm sorry it really isn't nurture it's nature in the respect of you could have two siblings with the exact same upbringing same parents same system of of being raised and yet one has it and the other just doesn't. And I've seen a lot of people who have had traumatic experiences in their past and just haven't gone to the bottle for relief. Mm-hmm. Like they've, and sometimes they deal with it in other sort of negative, um, self-destroying ways, but it's like in, you know, whatever that is like sex or spending or yeah. smoking or eating or things like that, that aren't as insidious as quickly, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're not the quick killer, but you're big. I mean, you're all about the psychedelics and the medicinal nature mm-hmm. of them, right? Like I'm fascinated and terrified and also like that's the right approach i think probably right and also like because i'm sober and at least this is my school of thinking and and it's no one but mine is that i've sort of given up my opportunity to to try ayahuasca or mdma therapy or whatever that's a funny thing that you know because i've talked to a lot of people who are sober and youth associate because it's been called a drug Mm. and it's been labeled that you know you associate it with it being a drug and it being an intoxicant of some sort, right? It would be like, and it's similar to what's happened on the dietary side where people call fat in food, you know, 
fat and fat, like the same thing that's fat on the body. And then they assume, well, fat equals fat. Well, actually the most high fat diets are what actually help people lose the most weight. Right. And it's, it's just because the word is there. So yes, these psychedelics are called drugs, but the actual effect is more of a hyper sobriety than it is an intoxication. Like you may see patterns and see things and have visions, but you see it in, with a lucidity and a sobriety that says, oh my God, my waking self was half drunk, half asleep. Now I'm awake. Now I can see myself and the world more clear than I ever have. So it's really like, instead of thinking of it like an intoxicant, you should think of it as like actually, truly waking up and being more sober than you ever have. And what's the revelatory nature of it in the sense of when you say waking up, like, can you describe exactly what that sort of awareness is? I mean, the very first time I did one, I was asleep to the truth Mm. that I was something other than a body and a mind. That's really what I thought I was entirely. And I thought there was no consciousness, soul, spirit spirit. I was complete atheist. I really believed that all I was is I was a a brain that generated thoughts and a body that was, you know, pumped blood, period. And then I did my first psychedelic vision quest and felt my body evaporate and felt my mind take a back seat to another force, which I called my consciousness, which was far wiser, far more stable, had a far more infinite perspective than anything that my mind was ever capable of generating and nor was it linked and tethered permanently to my body. It showed me that this was a temporary vessel. And this was psilocybin? This was psilocybin. Which is mushrooms, right? Okay. So that, so that is waking up to the reality of who I am, you know, and then waking up to the reality of my fears of death, waking up to the reality of my jealousy, waking up to the reality of my need for validation, waking up to the reality of my desire to make my father think that I'm worthy of love. Like all of these patterns, all of these things that you're kind of asleep to or ignorant of. Asleep is just a word. Of course, we actually are physically awake from a medical standpoint, but not aware of that are outside of awareness can become part of awareness. And it really feels like you're waking up from a dream because your whole world was tainted by the lack of understanding that you held. Squarespace, you know you love it because it's so good. It's a little Squarespace. Mm. Do you want to turn your cool idea into a new website? Funny. Did you feel like showcasing your work? What? Or blog or publish content? Perhaps promote your physical or online business? Well, you know what? You can create a beautiful website with Squarespace because they've got beautiful templates that are created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online, the ability to customize look and feel settings products and more with just a few clicks and they've got free and secure hosting nothing to patch or upgrade 24 7 award-winning customer support come on uh what what are we looking for the whole package here because i think we've discovered it i think we've we found it we can write it in the history books 
and Squarespace is the one offering it. So go to squarespace.com slash curious for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code curious to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I wonder, was this your first time or your first foray into it, an intentional uh, a mission in the sense of like, I'm doing this for this result. Cause like the first time I did mushrooms was in the barbecue area of my apartment <laughs> complex with my friend Len. And, and I don't regret it. Like I've done it a few times and I did sort of see this weird, as I called it, like cosmic geometry, mm-hmm. like the way in which everything is sort of perfectly, you know, everything is sort of uh, delivered in its most efficient, perfect way. Yeah. And, and so I, I feel like it jump-started my brain into understanding certain things, and yet there was this scary element and this purely recreational element that I felt was not as uh, helpful. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's what the, all, the, all the psychedelic, experienced psychedelic advocates, they all talk about set and setting. Like, what's your intention and where are you doing it? And who are you doing it with? And what is the, you know, what is the overall goal of the whole thing? Now, when I went, I was with an experienced shaman who her Mm. life's work was dedicated to taking people on these vision quests and experiences. But I had no idea. Like, I didn't know specifics. I didn't like, well, my body's going to evaporate and I'm going to find out what I had. I didn't know that. All I knew was like, oh, shit, I hope I don't lose my mind and I hope I don't completely lose touch with reality. I actually grabbed a rock that I found on a hike because we were in uh, out in the mountains. I found a rock that I had on the hike and I'm like, I'm just going to hold this rock tight and I'm going to, if I ever forget that I'm where I am and that I'm like who I am, I'm going to hold the rock and it's going to remind me. Well, I appreciated the rock, but I didn't need it for that, you know, because I had, a again, that kind of hyper-awareness, that an awareness that extended beyond even my sober self. And um, that's just been the case largely since. And what's the dosing look like for the most effective version of what you're talking about? Is it less? Is it more? You want the minimum effective dose, right? Mm. Because the higher, you're, you, this is a trial by fire. This isn't something that's trivial, you know? So you want to take the minimum effective dose to get you to the breakthrough threshold that you need and that your intention is set for and that you're ready to hold, Right. So the interesting thing about psilocybin is it really depends on the strain Um, because it's hard to say because there's a strain that's going around called penis envy that you have. Who named it? I don't know. It's such a weird name. It's awkward to say. (laughs) Yeah. No. (laughs) You like it. It's my kind of comedy. (laughs) You like it. Uh, But you take like a gram of penis envy and you're flying. 
like oh, yeah. flying and you take three grams and you're in full heroic dose mode, you know, whereas you have another, <clears throat> another mushroom and you might need two, two and a half grams to really get right. off the ground. And then you may need seven to be in heroic mode, but it just depends on the strain. Stay away from the mushroom called devil taint. Cause <laughs> <laughs> that one, you only need half a gram. It gets real weird. Or go for it. Yes. Go for it and sniff <laughs> while you're there. See what yeah, it right? smells like. <laughs> um, and, how and what is the psilocybin experience as opposed to ayahuasca? And I know sort of a subset, which is DMT, the active ingredient in ayahuasca, ayahuasca yeah. which also people will do just that and not sort of the overall experience mm -hmm. of ayahuasca. DMT is a really interesting molecule. And there's two types. If you're talking about DMT, you got to understand that you got to bifurcate this into two different, <clears throat> two different compounds, two different medicines. Mm. One is called NNDMT. And NMDMT is putting you in the most visual space you could ever hypothesize or imagine. You know, like mushrooms did give you a glimpse at the fractal geometry, but this will transport you to a dimension where only fractal geometry exists and different interesting beings and teachers and doctorcitos. I'm yes, getting scared just for sure. to see that. I mean, and you'll see what they call the chrysanthemum, which is the most intricate, beautiful pattern just descend upon you with a buzz and envelop you in a space that's beyond the capsule of space and time. So there are moments where you have to surrender to ordinary life and trust that you still know who you are, but you're, you're traveling in another dimension. And so you're the, you know, you're in the spaceship and you're traveling and you got to trust that you'll land without anything having to do anything, just as the compound leaves your body, you're going to be able to land back home. And so it's just really trusting that. Um, and, you know, whether you, you know, encounter other entities or elves or fairies or, you know, therianthropes, which are half animal, half human or ancestors or whatever, like, you don't know. But you're f most likely for sure going to experience the that kind of fractal state and you're going to have some pearl of wisdom that you can bring bring back and then nn dmt that's interesting because it's way less i mean uh, not nn 5meo dmt sorry that's what i was talking about before was nn 5meo dmt is more somatic it's more of a physical feeling and it feels like every time you've cried every time you've laughed every time you've orgasmed and every time you've hugged a lover every time you've achieved something every time you've disappointed it feels like everything you've possibly felt at the same time and that one is that one is the most intense psychedelic you could in my opinion that you could possibly do have you done it i have and dude it feels like it really feels like you're merging with the somatic body like the actual body of god which is everything it's like you're merging with the all the unicity the source the oneness of all life you know i have no anthropomorphic you know ideas about god when i say god i mean literally everything all creation all love all life all existence it feels like you're merging with that singularly so it's not it's not broken out into all of the different pieces and divided into all of the different experiences that we have where there's table and then there's me and then there's you and then there's microphones and it's just, nope, everything. It's all one and you get to merge back to that oneness and it's incredibly intense. It's incredibly intense for the body to hold that amount of energy, um, but incredibly liberating too. And it's short, right? I short. mean, 
less than 10 minutes in some respect. Yeah. Uh, but it feels... 5-MeO so- can be a little bit longer. It can be more like 30. Mm. But uh, NNDMT is, yeah, usually 10 minutes. Which one is released when you die? Well, that hasn't been exactly proven. Oh. That's uh, hypothesized. They call it the spirit molecule. And that's NNDMT. And that's the one that they say is eases the transition of the spirit in and out of the body. Makes sense to me. Um, I think they've discovered it in, in the pituitary gland, not pituitary, the um, pineal gland of rats. So that there's some interesting kind of evidence that's supporting that, but it's more of like a mystical understanding that this is something that happens when you're born and you die. And maybe the science has advanced and is actually proving that. Mm. Um, but they, that's why they call it the spirit molecule. It's because it kind of aids in the transition. And you certainly feel that. You certainly feel that this is something that helps you with your interdimensional travel and what is being born and dying, but interdimensional travel, traveling from the place of no form to the place of form and then back out of this polarity into, you know, some other existence. So I'm interested to hear what you think, because, you know, being a sober cat and sort of realizing that, like, I guess my fear with all these things is that it, it would be momentary and that for better or for worse, over time self would creep back in and that it wouldn't be like i i always wonder and and i don't know like is it a vaccine in that sense of like you do it and you will not feel these feelings again or is it like you will do it and you'll have a momentary reprieve and then what you do with that new knowledge is up to you to maintain it nailed it is that it yeah it's it's uh it's a glimpse Mm. what do you do with that glimpse what do you do with that teaching what do you do with that? Do you integrate it? And that's why integration is so important. Or do you, you know, just ignore it, distract yourself from it, destroy it? You know, like a lot of times psychedelics will show you things that have repressed memories, things that you've forgotten, traumatic things that have happened in your past, right? And you have the choice. Like, wow, do I explore that and find forgiveness at the end of this tunnel? It's going to be a lot of dark memories, a lot of dark places I'm going to have to go to really release this? Am I willing to do this? Or do I want to do some lighter drugs like alcohol and, you know, cocaine and, you know, party and TV and masturbation and just kind of ride it out, not look at the stuff. Masturbating is awesome though. (laughs) I mean, I'm waiting for it to get old, but (laughs) so many years, so much better than Ambien. (laughs) Um, And do you find... Would you say to, like, my friend has this great phrase called, there are no new ancient truths. And in that respect, it sounds from the way you're describing it, in much like any great philosophy would teach us, or from the Stoics to the Buddhists and what have you, it's basically at its root, get out of self, like getting out of self and an awareness that we are but like this massive, like we are but this minor cog in this massive wheel, and that we are just not so separate, like... Mm. Is that part is... I mean, that's definitely one of the major truths, Mm. for sure. That we are like just all facets of the same infinite diamond. You know, just our own prismatic form expressing in its own unique way, creating a totality of experience that you could call God. Yeah. You know, and I think that's probably one of the deeper truths about that. But that it's interesting because there is that you know, fractal element even to that, where we can look inside ourselves and see the totality of everything also contained because we are touched by the totality of everything ourselves. And so 
it's it's interesting how that looks like we can say yes we are nothing but but a piece connected to everything but we could also look back and go oh we are everything by which all the pieces are formed and influencing you know so it's it's interesting how it all kind of flows but yeah there's um that which is true is always true and has always been true Mm. you know so those ancient truths if they're truths have always been true and don't change now there's different ways to describe them different words to put on them different ways to use language and understanding um because language itself is a lie like you got to understand that the moment you make something a word you're lying because it's not possible to encapsulate truth with a word a word is an emblemization a word is a description of something else that cannot possibly <laughs> encapsulate exactly what that thing is come close and that's what i think a poet's job is or a great writer's job is is to use words to help express an idea as clearly as possible with as much truth as possible but you can't even describe things with words and have it be true that's why doing something like 5meo and like feeling feeling what that feels like that gives you a knowing that's beyond words and the description of it will never actually be adequate it'll never be a true description it'll just be you know an approximation or like whenever i've done hallucinogens and i've tried to write down what i'm thinking <laughs> yeah, yeah, or record yeah, yeah. it it does not it just does doesn't transpond correctly mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah, I heard a buddy of mine, Joe, once said, like, God is in the space between my thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's where it lives. Movement watches. You know what I'm saying? You trying to look good? You trying to have that slick timepiece on your arm and not break the bank doing it? Well, then movement is your watch, friend, because Movement Watches was founded on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. The watchmaker's goal is to change the way consumers think about fashion by offering high-quality, minimalist products at revolutionary prices. It's like, when I hear a price, I want there to be a revolution, okay? With over 2 million watches sold to customers in 160-plus countries around the world, I didn't even know there were that many countries. Movement Watches has solidified itself as the world's fastest-growing watch company. Guys, I love my Movement Watch because here's the thing. I don't know if you're like me, but I lose things. I can't help it. I'm not a perfect human, and this is just me. Flawed, vulnerable, out there. But I also want to look incredibly good and have people see me from afar and be like, wow, what is that incredibly slick, classy timepiece on his arm? So movement watches, I'll answer that. It's the perfect thing for me. I've got like this dope, subtle, it's like, it's got like a beautiful band. It's just got like a touch. Everything's all dark and black and matted on it. But I know that it's like not this crazy, insane, you know, tens of thousands of dollar timepiece, which we all know I can afford. I'm doing well, but it's not that. It's like a reasonable timepiece that looks dope and don't nobody got to know that uh, I didn't spend too much on it. So listen, get excited, guys. You're going to get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movementwatches.com slash curious. This watch has a really clean design. I, I've been getting compliments ever since. I'm telling you, just go to movementwatches.com slash curious. Now is the time to step up your watch game and to step up your podcast game. Enjoy the rest of the show. What do you think is the most 
or one of the most insidious traits that people have that's keeping them from this awareness or from, you know, from optimizing their life? Well, I I think there's a lot of people who have, and a lot of history and a lot of momentum off preying off the easy manipulative parts of people's ego. You know, like it's really easy to pander to our baser reptilian nature, our desire to fuck, our desire to consume, our desire to alter, you know, run away from our truth and our states of consciousness. And like, so people pander to that in all kinds of ways. You know, pharmaceuticals will convince you that you're broken. You know, I mean, you, as soon as they name a disease and come out with a drug, that disease gets diagnosed, you know, like a hundred X more than it was before, like ADHD. Oh, it has Ritalin and Adderall now. And, you know, Vyvanse. Well, now that's getting diagnosed every fucking second because there's something to sell for it. Right. And, and saying, no, you have a disease. It's not in your power to actually change your thoughts. And then you have someone like Dr. Gabor Mate that's like, no, actually ADD is just a fear of the present moment. And if you can overcome your fear of the present moment, you can release your ADD. It's not a the disease as though we think it is. And, you know, addiction, the same thing. Like addiction is a trauma, is a person who's traumatized attempt to solve the problem of their trauma, right? But instead we'll say, no, addiction's a disease and here's the, you know, take this Chantix and hopefully you don't turn into a mass killer because that's one of the side effects, but take the Chantix right. and like, you know, we'll do this. And, and I, so I think people pander to that, plus they pander to people's, there's been a restriction surrounding sexuality where sex has become taboo and restricted and you need to almost purchase it with your obligation to be in a this evolved relationship and you can't just enjoy the pleasure of being with somebody. That's like slutty or shameful and so we've created these weird environments where you know we've removed some of the real pleasure of enjoying the love and pleasure of being alive and also removed our own responsibility for being who we are and we're just buying into this kind of idea that we're powerless and that pleasure should be restricted and that we need to fit inside these tight little boxes and the thing that matters is how much money you make and that's how you show that you're worthy and that's how you show that And it's all just bad ideas, man. Just bad ideas. I think you're so right, too, because what kills me is the idea of diagnosis. And just because something has a name doesn't mean it's okay to have it. Like, especially I find amongst people my age and younger, and also because I work a lot in social media. And so, like, the big um, sort of keyword is, like, social anxiety. And I suffer from, you know, a discomfort that comes from from having to be, you know, out in public or certain interactions. And I'm like, just because you, we've diagnosed it and there's a name for it doesn't mean it's okay. Like yeah. you, you must power through this feeling <laughs> like, because yeah. it, there's just no reason. There's yeah. just no good reason to have it. Yeah. We've given up, we've given up all of our true superpowers and those superpowers are choice. Like we have the power of choice mm. and our ability to choose and like, is we give it no credit and it and it deserves so much more than what we give it. I mean, you read a book like You Were the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza and it's talking about, we all know about the placebo effect. It's accounted for in every single clinical trial. We understand that the brain can either heal or harm the body, placebo or nocebo, depending on the thoughts that it has. But who's teaching people how to use the brain to heal the body? 
who's teaching pe- who's warning people like we were at the start about mind fucking yourself right. about the foods that you eat who's talking about that everybody's so worried about this diet and these macros and whatever when the mind can create a reality that either creates a much better diet or a worse diet and that's probably going to be the most important factor that you could possibly consider you I'm, know i'm sure you've heard of uh, alain de botton he's mm-hmm. like he He's sort of like a modern day philosopher and, and you majored in philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he talks a lot about sort of mental hygiene. And from as far back as we can remember, like at you know, two or three years old, as soon as we have teeth, we're taught dental hygiene and keeping ourselves clean. But there's no, no one teaches us how to keep our mind clean. Yeah. And that the great promise that we're all, that many of us grow up with, or, or at least I can say for like Americans and also men, is the idea that like, if we work hard, we will achieve a level of financial security from a job that not only fulfills us emotionally and spiritually, but also gives us a certain standard of living. And then we will find a partner who completes us completely in all our desires. And he's like, the reality is, is, how, you know, 95% of us will never achieve any of that. But then even for the ones that do, how there's a good chance it's still not enough. Mm -hmm. And I think that, to much you're saying, is something that we just don't talk about. If if, what if nothing from the outside world makes us feel okay inside? Ah, wow. (sighs) The truth. Yeah. It's the truth, man. Like, you can go, I've been to... billionaire birthday parties you know you got bob craft and his matching denim outfit with his young girlfriend and they both have the emblazoned you know logo of his initials on their identical outfits and you got this whole thing and tom brady there and no tom wasn't (laughs) there but you know so you're out there and and you're just i'm looking around and i'm pretty you know open to receiving people's energy and what they're feeling and i just felt distraction discomfort depression misery masking avoidance like it was not a happy place and these are some of the wealthiest individuals in the world yeah big smiles you know big robin williams smiles on their face yeah but what was the suffering that was inside and then i've been to the soweto slums in africa and some of the poorest places on the planet people living in you know brushed metal shanties with the sewage draining from another person's hut draining through their hut and like really rugged difficult spot and felt just joy like Mm. the joy of being alive the joy of playing the kids playing with each other the joy of being able to sing a song of living close with people of fighting you know and working together to eat and to get clean water and that kind of the struggle and the community bonding of those challenges something that like sebastian junger talks about in the book tribe you know that ability of that feeling that everybody there was working together and i felt happiness so like this idea that you know everything is externally correlated just false right you know like it doesn't actually hold up to the truth about what's what's around and yeah i mean granted there is like that magical number which is like eighty five thousand, which is kind of like the peak where most people are the most happy you know but i've seen you know radical differences when i go to different countries and different places where you know everybody seems happy and then i've gone to you know billionaire places where everybody seems sad well it seems like the more money you have 
it allows you to sort of build that fortress of mm-hmm. isolation in some respect. And I'm going to butcher it, but it's, you know, one of Robert Greene's 48 Laws of Power is like, you lose your power by isolating and hiding behind the walls, even though our instinct to a certain extent is like, keep the world at bay, like double my, um, uh, sort of my level of like fortitude and, uh, my preparation for something bad to come. Mm. But it's sort of like accepting or surrendering to the fact of like, I just need to have this, like the power of this and, and connection you know, nothing can substitute. That's it, man. I mean, I think we move from tribal, be- we move from tribal beings to a life of isolation and solipsistic kind of narcissistic behavior where we want to not say mine. We want to say ours. We want to say, this is ours. These are my people. This is our things. This is where we live. This is what we do. These are our children. These are, we want to say ours, right? but everybody's taught us to say mine. This is my thing, my house, my car, my my food, my money, my spouse, my kids, my 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 my, and we're not happy like that. You know, yeah. I think we're happier feeling like we have a tribe around us. It's funny. I, I interviewed Andy Milanakis, and mm-hmm. he and I were talking about. You know, I've worked as an actor for many years, and I've seen sort of like the rise of friends of mine who become you know good and famous and powerful or I'll meet, you know, certain you know, big actors at parties or, and whatnot. And what's fascinating to me is what kind of behavior is tolerated because they're famous. Yeah. And it ain't fucking cute to me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah. nah, bro, you're not charming. You're uncomfortable, homie. <laughs> like fucking look at me in the eyes and let's, let's do this for two minutes. Like, I, I don't need all your time, but like, don't make me feel uncomfortable because I'm, doing the natural thing of like putting my hand out and giving you a nice, (laughs) you know, glance and saying, Hey, how you doing? Like, but it becomes this, we permit this behavior because someone has a lot of money or Mm -hmm. power or prestige. And I see it become, I've also, you know, what's fascinating to me is because everything's so cyclical is that inevitably when that, that fire burns out or the glow isn't as strong and they're perhaps not where they once were, now they're just like these creepy 45-year-old cats, you yeah. know? Yeah. They and never acquire those skills. Sure. And they've never they've run that kind of weird karmic imbalance of reciprocity, right? Where they've had power from something, you know, presumably of value, whether it was a role in a film or music that they created, but every if every person they met felt some kind of shun or retraction, you know, then eventually that's going to accumulate on the other side of the ledger, you know, Mm. and then eventually they're going to have to reconcile with that in this life, you know, and deal with like, oh shit, I was a dick for the last 20 years. Like I didn't treat people as people. I didn't see people as people. So now that my power, this aura, this field of distortion that I was creating that allowed this behavior to permit, now that that's gone, everybody's going to treat me like I've been treating them, you know? Yes. So that's something that, you know, people have to reckon with. That's why I'm so relieved I never got famous. <laughs> really, silver lining. Um, so will you talk a little bit about uh, sort of your beginnings in marketing? I'd love to hear the start of the fleshlight and sort, oh, of, man. And sort of, and then how it built to on it. There was no, there was no bridge. 
there's no bridge between fake vaginas and a flashlight and, Solid. and on it, <laughs> other than the fact that I did work for both uh, both different organizations. So, but a master marketer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know how easy it is to sell something that guys put their dick in? Like, I, you have no idea. Master marketer, like, true. I appreciate that. I bought mine without I, <laughs> seeing any ads. <laughs> I appreciate that. But, like, I can't take credit for that because it's really easy. That, so, that was a company that was started by my stepdad. Wow. So, my stepdad Dude, started. He, your stepdad's get, got the fleshlight fortune? Yes, he does. God bless him. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So, he was, uh, he was an ex-SWAT team officer, and then he was trying, you know, started entrepreneur started a couple businesses got a patent on a child car seat and uh did had a street sweeping business and then my mom got pregnant with my twin sisters and he the doctors because my mom was you know getting up there in age the doctor was like all right you guys you know shouldn't have sex for the last six months of this pregnancy and he was like well fuck you know i'm a grown-ass man and he's a you know faithful faithful guy he's not gonna cheat so he's like well, what am I going to do? Well, let me go to the sex shop and see if there's any toys that I can use that'll kind of like spice this thing up a little bit. And didn't find anything. Saw that everything else was crap. Yeah. And being an inventor by nature, he just went out to invent it. First created these little bodies, which were really kind of creepy. And then people Terrifying. just wanted the removable orifices from the body itself. And then that was like his aha moment. You know, where he was like, oh, people just want the removable orifice. Well, what if I put that in a discrete container so you didn't have just a giant floppy vagina hanging around in your house? And he created the uh, the fleshlight. And oh, then my God. When I got out of college, um, you know, I started a marketing company. And, you know, I didn't have any clients. So my first client was the fleshlight. And so I worked doing marketing for them off and on for many years and i got a bunch of other clients too but um that was yeah part not, of my backstory i'm not asking specifics but is it has he made a fucking killing with the flashlight <laughs> yeah yeah i mean <laughs> yeah it's unprecedented he's yeah. got a he's got the fake vagina monopoly <laughs> he does he does and it's, it's so, true it's so funny you say that because if you think about sex toys they're it pretty much they've perfected it for women for the most part i mean it seems to be sort of very skewed in that area until yeah. the creation of this thing it yeah you're right there wasn't a lot for a no, there was nothing. Poor was, people like us. Was, no. I mean, they had like blow-up doll quality stuff. Like, right. You had to be desperate and insensitive, you know, to like even even try it. And so, uh, so yeah, so, but it was, I hated the industry. Like sure. people think like, oh, porn, ooh, fun, nice. Like we'd go to the adult video news kind of shows so, to yeah. kind of the, put the product out there and that's where all the porn stars are yeah the porn star oscars it was like literally the worst energy of any place i've ever gone like oh, i couldn't yeah. possibly be in a place that i detested more than that people were like ooh, sexy and i was like no not sexy mm. like zero sexy moments like <laughs> the you go to like the food expos you know like the expo west like the food and nutritional health expos and it's way sexier than the, the porn expo could ever possibly be. And those are the expos now that we're on it. So I knew the whole time I hated the industry. Working for your family fucking sucks. You know, yeah. even though I had other clients, it sucks. And so I knew that I needed to start my own brand about something that I really loved and something that I was truly passionate about. And, you know, supplements were always a part of my life but so was training and so was eating right and so was the right mindset and so you know on it 
which was an you know idealization of you being at your best being on it you know being at the best you're capable of being kind of formed and we called it total human optimization and i took mine this morning when did the first form like how did the formula for alpha brain come to be so I I was over hanging with Joe Rogan and I asked him I said Joe man like um, were you just bros like yeah how did we're you just know? bros okay and uh, <clears throat> I was like what supplement would you like the most you know if I could make the best supplement possible what would you like the most he's like well I'd like a natural nootropic something that like fired up the brain but wasn't one of these pharmaceuticals with all the downsides I was like all right you know let me see what I can do and I got with I went deep into the clinical research, found all the research that I could on things that affected cognitive behavior. I had a pretty good understanding of, you know, the the main neurotransmitters I wanted to target. And it was particularly focused on one called acetylcholine. And I had access to some great doctors, you know, some neurosurgeons and naturopaths and people who work with athletes. And so we basically, from the PubMed research and the clinical ingredient research and then the doctor's experience and my own trial and error, came up with an initial formula and got you know uh, a manufacturer to take the chance to make the sample for us and um, always be eternally grateful for that because we didn't have any money. You know, like the Fleshlight Empire wasn't going to pay me any money <laughs> for this job and my dad at that point was already, you know, in his twilight and kind of actually he... You went clinically insane, which is another story, but like right as I was starting on it. So like there was no support from the family in this. So I pieced together, you know, uh, about a hundred grand from my friends and like friends, not family, but Bodie Miller was one of them. He's my buddy, the Olympic skier. He Mm. put in a little bit of money and then an old investment banking contact that I knew put in another 50 grand. So I had like a hundred grand. I was trying to figure it out, but got them to make a sample formula. And the first sample formula of Alpha Brain they made was so fucking strong that if you took like a little bit more of the dose than you should have, like you were puking. You oh, know? really? It was like, it it was like, like basically like, or anything. no, it was basically because acetylcholine, like a cholinergic effect is similar to a nicotinic effect. So it would be Stimulant. like packing five snooses in your mouth and oh, just, fuck. It, and it's just green. like, yeah, fully green, right? Yeah. And you, but you feel fine when you're done, just like you do with nicotine. You know, you like you have that kind of nausea purge moment. Um, but it was just so fucking strong. But we knew we had something. Like we knew we created something that you could feel, mm. and we just had to temper the dose down. And the, and the, this active ingredient is called Huperzia serrata, which is really cholinergic and actually increases acetylcholine in the brain um, by inhibiting the thing that breaks down acetylcholine. So it. It's actually an acetylcholine esterase inhibitor, but that was the thing that was the the main driver. And then we had other pieces that were kind of supporting it, nine different ingredients and balancing it out and other things that kind of tempered some of the anxious effects of it. Kind of like L-theanine tempers the effect of caffeine and green tea and gives you a more balanced feel. Because that's like using sleep aids and stuff like that. L-theanine, L-theanine. Right? Like Usually yeah, yeah. they pair it with like a valerian melatonin mm-hmm. yeah. cocktail. Because <clears throat> it's a relaxing... Uh, amino acid that is related to the GABA mechanism, that same thing that you find in alcohol or uh, that you get from alcohol or or some of these other things. But anyway, so we made this incredibly strong formula. Rogan loved it the best, obviously, because he's that dude. He's an animal. He's an animal. So he he probably wishes that we never switched from it, but we tempered down the dose, found it at the sweet spot where 
people could really feel it, but people weren't getting nauseous anymore <laughs> from this sure. massive brain dump. And, and we tweaked it out and then we came up with a formula that we were going to release and released it. And it was just an overnight success. You know, was, just, it, was it an overnight because Joe talked about it on the mm-hmm. pod? Because we had talked about like, oh man, Aubrey gave me this, Aubrey gave me this alpha brain and man, it's fucking strong. It feels good. And, you know, and he was just telling the truth. That's the thing that makes Joe special is he doesn't sell things. He just talks about his experiences in life. And this thing had a significant experience for him. And so he talked about it and people got excited about it. And then, uh, we launched it. And then, you know, probably six months later, we were like, hey, we should probably be partners in this thing. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, that makes sense. So then we formed our business deal, just kind of handshakes and high fives. And, um, you know, it's been going ever since. And I I would imagine, I think Joe's done like 1,200 plus podcasts. And Mm -hmm. as an avid listener of his, I can, I mean, I can do his pitch for on it like because i've heard it so much i mean probably 700 plus episodes of him just talking about it and can you attribute like would you see sales go up the moment that a podcast of his would drop i think it's been a cumulative force yeah cumulatively his efforts in promoting it and his the way that he does it not just what he does but the way that he does it mm-hmm. has been you know one of the most significant factors in our growth i think it's kind of you know his it's reached the audience you know that is that it's reached and it's no longer as significant a factor as it once was you know like now it's about getting into whole foods and expanding our amazon sales and you know reaching new markets with different demographics and expanding our female demographic and there's a lot of things and factors that are going now but at the start you know he was really really the the primary factor and then as time has gone on we've supported his efforts with countless other different podcasts and promoters and influencers and and different people but would on it be anything like it is without his initial support no we'd be on a much slower roll sure uh, and so you know, we were able to build on it without actually taking on any additional capital. I got that first hundred grand from Bodie and uh, that investment banker friend of mine, and uh, we rolled it from cash flow ever since. But you know, and I believe that we were given these sort of moments, these lightning strikes, or these moments of some might say like luck or good fortune, and yet. You know, if the product wasn't good, you'd have a huge spike, and then inevitably people would be like, Joe, what are you talking about? Yeah, you totally. Know? So, I mean, you had the goods to support it. Um, so, I don't want to keep you all day, but I'll ask, what if you could only take three supplements for the rest of your life, what would you take? I mean, the uh, the alpha brain is pretty crucial. Mm. You know, like that's that's something that before all my podcasts, before all my speeches, before... You know, I want to make sure that my brain is operating at the level of its capability. You Are you know, taking and, and more than two? I take three. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and we have, and the clinical research is on two. So we have two different clinical trials showing its effect on um, healthy individuals from the Boston Center for Memory. This unequivocally works. Mm. So I think that's, that's one of them. For me, um, there's actually kind of an underrated supplement called Key Minerals that we offer that has a combination of calcium, magnesium, molybdenum, and um, iodine. 
And those four minerals are things that I just don't get adequate amounts from diet. So I take that every single night. And that's absolutely crucial for me to keep my energy levels up for help to help me relax, to keep my muscles and body feeling healthy. And then I, then I would say probably the krill oil supplement is the next most important thing. I mean, we have some great pre-workouts and some great other things, but I can muscle through without those. But I think without the, the krill oil, the key minerals, and the alpha brain, um, I'd be at a serious uh, serious detriment. And that's, and also that includes like all supplements that maybe you guys don't offer, like not including yeah, cordyceps. The, well, the thing is, chaga. I've been in this, cordyceps is in our shroom tech sport formula. You know, chaga is in our shroom tech immune formula. We're using all of these different ingredients. If, if there is something that I personally really love, I've had seven years to make it, you know, like the, right. one of the secrets to what on it is, is these are things that you know, I feel like I'm a generally, generally similar to enough people that if I fucking love it, we're coming out with it. We're yeah. finding a way to improve it. We're finding a way to make it. We're finding a way to do it in a way that, you know, it's going to work. Um, all right. Last question, because I don't want to keep you. But what is, and I ask everyone on the pod this question, what is the one or two um, Aubrey Marcus commandments, things that you would want to impress upon someone to allow them to live a better life or is something you felt that they should know? You know, I, I used to, I used to talk about <clears throat> my answer to this was always like, enjoy the moment. Don't worry so much. It's all going to work out, mm. you know, but I almost feel like now that I wouldn't tell anybody I almost I wouldn't want to tell my old self anything I would just kind of want to say you're here to learn you're here to experience you're here to you know grow and however you want to do that if you want to stress and if you want to distract yourself and you want to run away and you want to learn from that path like that's cool too like so whatever you're doing and however way you you want to do it you know Try to get the awareness about what you're doing, but know that everything is okay. And whatever you're doing, it's all right. It's all right that you're learning that way. It's all right that it's taking you however long it's taking you, and it will take you so much longer. Like, everything is all right. You know, it's all, it's all going to be okay. And I guess that would be my, my final message. And it's not the most motivating thing to say, but in a way it relieves all of this guilt and shame and worry and fear and all of these things that are keeping us, all those forms of capital R resistance that Stephen Pressfield talks about, you know, is based upon all of these aversions to all these things. But if you know, like, oh, it's okay. It's okay that I haven't done anything yet. It's okay that I'm out of shape. It's okay that I'm addicted to this. It's okay. I've been learning through that way. And at some point I can choose to learn through a different way and that's going to be okay too. Yeah. Aubrey, my man, my man. Thank you, dude. Yeah. This is great. You're welcome. Listeners take that commandment to the bank. (laughs) Let let yourself off the hook. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. That was Aubrey. Thank you, dude, for doing the pod. Interesting guy, right? Makes you want to, do hallucinogens well makes you yeah think about it i don't know i think i've given up my opportunity but you know i'm a sober guy and yes there's like medicinal effects but i don't know probably won't 
but there is no gold star for dying sober. So if I'm like 95 and I got a couple of days left, you know, um, maybe a DMT trip to kind of cap off my, my run on earth. Maybe like I'll be 95, two days out from, you know, punching out for the rest of my life. And I'll do that trip and be like, oh my God. So that's what it was all about. Man, maybe it'll be too much. I don't know. I think I'm going to go back to my original plan of just like Odin while eating White Castle. I think that's probably the way I want to go. Out. Yeah, that's the way I want to go out for sure. Maybe with like White Castle and, and another fast food. Maybe like a White Castle Panda Express sort of duet. I don't know. I'm just thinking here. I'll work on this. Anyway, guys, have a great week. Love you. Thank you for listening. Okay, bye.